Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Okay, I'm going to get a copy of that, uh, if you would, and uh, show it to people, okay? (laughs) I'm a little bit concerned about Brother Delaney. If I'm the best friend he's ever had and the best person he's ever known, he hadn't known very many good people. <laughs> okay. it, it is a great joy to be here today, and that would be superfluous for me to even say that, because at my age, I'm happy to be anywhere in the world, amen? Uh, I, I was thrilled when I heard that he was coming to First Baptist in Long Beach. The only thing that I hated about that was that uh, he was leaving Kentucky. But uh, it is a great joy to be with he and his family. Uh, They've been such a a great blessing to me, and I'm thrilled at the way God is using him. Uh, A few months ago, I was in uh, Lewis Avenue Baptist Church in Michigan, and we had eaten dinner in the basement, uh, the missionaries and the church staff, now I was walking up the steps to the auditorium. There was a beautiful little girl, probably four or five years old, something like that, standing at the top of the stairs. And she looked at me and she said, Sir, you look old. <laughs> and I said, Hon, the reason I look old is because I am old. Okay. <laughs> A few months after that, I was with Brother Joseph Curry in North Carolina, and he and his wife had taken me out to dinner. And uh, she, uh, for many, many years, was a member of the Temple Baptist Church in Herndon, Virginia, where I preach every year for many, many, many years. And uh, during the midst of the meal, she said, Brother Sis, I remember you coming to our church when I was a little girl, and she's probably 40 years old, okay? You came to our church when I was a little girl. She said, you were old then. (laughs) So I've been old about all my life, (laughs) okay. But uh, uh, old is not always bad, amen. I I do want to thank my good friend, John Alvarez, and his dear wife, Samantha, for bringing me down here this morning. Uh, He's been one of the best friends that I've ever had in my life, and uh, thank you, Brother Alvarez, for, for coming. Uh, Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. And if you're able, I'm going to ask you to uh, stand for the reading of God's Word this morning, okay? Revelation chapter 7, beginning with verse 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and 
fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped him, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? Remember now, John is writing. He's just writing what God tells him to say. And John says, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Notice the time after time the word Lamb. The Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your infallible and errant inspired word, the Bible. Now, dear Lord, as best I know how this morning, I'd like to try to preach your word. And you have promised in the word that when my word goes forth, it'll not return to me void. I thank you for First Baptist Church, for the literally tens of thousands of people who will be in heaven because of the ministry of this church through the years. I thank you, dear Lord, for the ones that are here today, for Pastor and Mrs. Delaney and the way you're using and blessing them. I thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, and I'd sure like to be a blessing to your people. But the only way that I could be a blessing to these people would be that you would bless me and use me you're the vine, I'm just a branch. Without you, I can do absolutely nothing. But we can say with the Apostle Paul, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So, Lord, I pray you'd strengthen me today. Anoint my lips that I could speak right, my heart that I would be right, my mind that I could think right. And Lord, whatever you do today or any time in our lives, we'll be more than happy to bend our knees, to bow our heads, and give you all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Several months ago, Dr. Mark Rasmussen uh, gave me a book, and people must think I'm real ignorant because they're always giving me books to read, okay? <laughs> I've read about everything that Striving Together has published, okay? Anyway, it was the story of the miraculous survival of an Air Force officer by the name of Louis Zapparini. Before he enlisted in the Air Force, he was Olympian, Olympian runner. He and another officer, and I think about this, Survived 47 days on a raft in the Pacific Ocean. This alone was unbelievable. When they floated to an island, 
It was occupied by the Japanese. For months, they suffered unbelievable torture. They were then sent to a Japanese concentration camp where he became the object of an unimaginable cruel treatment from a Japanese officer by the name of Watanabe. He had competed against Louis Zapparini in the Olympics. As I read the day-by-day activities of the time on the raft, on the island being beaten every day, then in the concentration camp, I could not endure the weight. So I thought, I know something good eventually happens. So I turned to the back of the book. <laughs> By the way, you some of you older people, not many of you are older, well, none of you are older than me, okay? <laughs> but some of you are old enough to remember when they gave out the math books on the first day of school, all the other books too, the math book. But they'd say about, about the math book, now, the answers are in the back of the book, but don't look. That was wasted breath. <laughs> I mean, and uh, I mean, you, you get hung up on a problem, you're going to turn to the back of the book, okay? It's, it's in there, okay? Anyway, I thought, I'm going to turn to the back of the book, and I did. And when I did, I found out that something real good happened. In a tent meeting here in Los, Los Angeles, Louis Zapparini got saved. I mean, he had, after the war, because of the beatings and all the things he went through, he began to drink very heavily, was on dope, was very abusive to his wife, and his wife had gone to that meeting, and she had gotten saved, and she eventually said, now, Louis, I, I can't stand this abuse anymore. Uh, if you don't go with me, I'm going to have to leave. And he went, but uh, he listened to the message. But when they started singing, just as I am, he left the tent. Finally, she convinced him to go one more time. He went another time, but he said, now, when they start singing that this as I am thing, I'm leaving. And he went to the meeting. The service was over. He got up to leave, and then he got to thinking. If what that man said up there today is right, if Jesus Christ came to this earth left heaven in all of its glory and died for me, then I'm the most ungrateful person on the face of the earth. And instead of going out of the tent, he went forward and trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. The back of the book had something good. Uh, every day, just about every day, I hear something that brings me to my knees, that brings tears to my eyes of all the things that people have to go through. And sometimes you could get very discouraged until you turn to the back of the book, amen? amen. The book of the Revelation. And by the way, when you turn back there, you realize we win. Amen. We might lose a battle here or there, but we win the war. And this seventh chapter of the book of the Revelation is such a great chapter. Look at it, if you will, with me. Let's think about this subject. 
heaven's multitudes. Heaven's multitudes. Look at verse 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number. Now think about it. Uh, evangelists might overemphasize the size of the crowds or the number of converts. <laughs> Our pastors may do that, okay. But the Bible never exaggerates, okay. I heard about this woman coming to the altar and and she said, the preacher, pray for me. I have a horrible habit of exaggerating. And uh, the preacher began to pray, dear God, help this woman. She's a liar. She tells all kinds of lies and stuff. And she said, no, 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 no. I didn't say I lied. I said I exaggerated. And she said, you're not going to get forgiveness until you call sin what it is. Amen. You think about it. The Bible says right here in Revelation chapter 7, that in heaven there is going to be an innumerable multitude of people in heaven. Guess what? God wins. Now, I know there are a lot of people that think there's going to be a few people in heaven. In fact, I know some people think, you know, I'm not sure about anybody except you and me. <laughs> and I'm not real sure about you, Okay. <laughs> But think about it. If you get to heaven and see somebody there you didn't think would get there, don't look too surprised. They may be just as surprised to see you, okay? <laughs> you think about this great innumerable multitude that's going to be in heaven. Heaven's going to be wonderful, amen? We'll read more about it a little bit later. Listen to what the Bible says here. And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which setteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. You didn't hear anybody say, Well, I'm here because uh, I was a good person. No. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here because I was a Baptist. No. Now, if you're saved, you ought to be a Baptist. But that's not going to get you to heaven. All of them were giving praise to God the Father and Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Think with me about two or three simple questions. Question number one, where did all these people come from? Where did all these people come from? Now, for, for years, I pastored in Kentucky, and everybody spoke English, and everybody was white, and everybody was kin to somebody else in the church. <laughs> I mean, we were just one kind, okay? But thank God, heaven is going to be a place of great variety. After this, I beheld in the Lord a great multitude, which no man could number. Look at it. Of all nations, 249 nations in the world, Literally, the word nations here is translated from the word ethnos, which means ethnic group, and there are thousands of ethnic groups. So th there's going to be people from all nations, all kindreds and people and tongues. You, you, you think about all of the different languages, and thank God when we get to heaven, 
we'll all speak English, amen? <laughs> or we'll all speak the same language. It may not be English, okay? But they're, they're coming from. And they stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and the palms in their hands. They came from all over the world. Heaven is going to be wonderful, amen? I mean, any color, any stripe, any culture, they're going to be heaven. People in heaven from all those places. Where did it come from? Look down at verse 13 again. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said to him, John said, I, I don't know. You're the one that knows, okay? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Think about it. They came from all over the world. They came out of great tribulation. Now, I'm not sure why, if you read the Bible, there's no reason for you to get all upset when things don't go right in your life. Listen to the Bible. These things have I spoken unto you. This is Jesus speaking. That in me you might have peace. And don't you thank God for the peace of God. In me you might have peace. In the world, there's a slight possibility that you might have some tribulation. No. In the world, you shall have tribulations. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Any of you ever have any tribulation? Sure you have. Be of good cheer. Our Lord has overcome the world. Listen to Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. By the way, when you pray for patience, you're praying for tribulation. Amen. I, I love this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writing, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Think about that. Light affliction? In 2 Corinthians 11, it tells us he was scourged five times. He was stoned. That didn't mean he got drunk, amen? <laughs> means they stoned him, threw him outside the city. He was shipwrecked, had all kinds of... But listen to it. For our light affliction. What do you mean, Paul? In comparison to what we're going to have in heaven, whatever tribulation we have here, it's very light, Amen. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, 
worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You're going through problems, you're going through trials, you're going through temptations, you're going through tribulation. That's going to work for you greater glory in heavenly, in heaven. Tribulations are real. We all have them. Of course, some of us have more than others. But thank God, one day, there will be no more tribulation for the child of God. The worst thing that can possibly happen to you happens on this earth. And after you pass from this earth into heaven, it's all glory. By the way, the best thing that happens to an unbeliever happens on this earth. And after that, it's damnation. Tribulations are real. They're going to come. But thank God, one day there will be no more tribulation. There's a little phrase in the Bible that's found 457 times. And here it is. It came to pass. In other words, whatever tribulation, whatever trial, whatever you may have, it didn't come to stay. It came to pass. Amen. So, where did they come from? Question number two. What are they doing? What are we going to do in heaven? Uh, my, my wife went to heaven on June the 8th, 2017. And I, I, I thought a lot about heaven before that time, but not nearly as much as I have in the last four years. And I, and I often wonder, what is she doing? What, what are they doing in heaven? What are we going to be doing in heaven? Look in your Bible, please. If you don't have your Bible open, uh, open it. Now, I want to read you something, okay? Number one, they are worshiping him. Look in verse 11. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders, and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God. We had some beautiful music this morning. Very worshipful music. Thank God for it. But can you imagine when we get to heaven and we have a glorified body likened unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ incapable of sinning? And when we see him, we used to sing a little song in youth groups and so forth. When we get together in the by and by, I'll ask the questions, he'll tell me why, when we get together in the by and by. And I've often thought, Brother Delaney, one glimpse of him, and I won't have any more questions, amen. By the way, uh, since we're all going to be worshiping him for eternity, uh, shouldn't we practice a little bit down here? <laughs> you have your Bibles open? Uh, let, let's, let's read verse 12 together, okay? I'm going to give you time to find it. Verse 12. So uh, we're going to be doing this for eternity, so let's, let's just get a little practice in, okay? 
They worship God saying, okay, say it with me, okay? Amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Can you imagine millions of people doing that? Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. But they're doing something else. Look down at verse 15. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Look at it. Not only are we going to be worshiping, we're going to be working. Now I heard a dumb preacher one time. There are a lot of them, amen. And he said, if evidently he didn't like women, if Eve had not eaten that apple, we would never have to work. <laughs> By the way, he didn't mention that Adam ate it too, okay? <laughs> and uh, I thought, long before Eve ate the apple and Adam ate the fruit, whatever it was, God had given man something to do. Work is not a bad word. Uh, have, have you ever seen the uh, image of Satan portrayed like this? A man with horns and a red suit and a long tail and a pitchfork. I tell you what, if you saw that fella, you would run like crazy. <laughs> That's not the devil at all. And have you ever seen heaven portrayed like this? Someone sitting on a cloud playing a harp. To tell you the truth, if that was heaven, I don't know that I'd want to go. <laughs> Number one, I'm not sure I'd trust that cloud. <laughs> Number two, I can't play any kind of instrument. No, no, no. I don't know what we're going to be doing. But I guarantee you, God has something good for us to do. I, I can just imagine. Hey, Don, there, there's a little something over here on Jupiter. Just run over and take care of that. And zap, I'm there. I, I don't know what we're going to be doing. But I know we're going to be working. We're going to be serving him day and night. How did they get there? They got there through tribulation. How did they get there? They got there by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Hey, all the way back to the book of Genesis, in order for man's nakedness to be covered, an animal, and I'm guessing it might have been a lamb, when the children of Israel were in Egyptian bondage and one plague after another, but then God said to Moses, now I'm going to give one more, one more sign, and they'll let you go. And he said, on a certain night, all of the firstborn in Egypt is going to die. Can you imagine that? 
all of the firstborn, the animals, the firstborn in every home, the Pharaoh's home, doesn't matter who's home. But he said, now, you Israelites, I want you to get a, a lamb, and I want you to keep him up several days. Be sure there's no blemish in him. Then he said, I, I want you to slay that lamb. Then I want you to split his throat. And catch the blood from that lamb. And then take the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the door lintels. And when the death angel passed by and he sees the blood, then he'll pass over you. One day, a young man by the name of Isaac, he and his dad were walking up a mountain. He was going to be slain there. And he asked the question, Dad, here's the fire, here's the wood. But where is the lamb? And you remember what Abraham told him. God will provide himself a lamb. And he thanked God he did. So Isaac said, where's the lamb? And in John chapter 1, John the Baptist said, when he saw Jesus, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And one day that lamb was scourged, a crown of thorn on his head, nailed to a cross, and his blood flown from his veins. And thank God that blood cleanses us from all of our sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Final question. How did all of this multitude of people know about the Lamb of God? By the way, somebody had to tell them. And when you are soul winning, when you are praying, when you are reading your Bible, when you are giving for the church and giving to the world evangelization, you're having an opportunity to tell people all over this area and all over the world the greatest news in the whole world, and that is Jesus saves. Amen. I declare unto you the gospel how Christ was died for our sins that he was buried and resurrected from the grave. Closing question this morning. What are you trusting in for your salvation? What are you trusting in for your salvation? Have you personally come to the place where you realize you were lost and on your way to hell? You could not save yourself. And in simple childlike faith, trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior.
And John tells us, these things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Have you trusted him? Wouldn't you think for a minute and be like Louis Zapparini and say, since Jesus Christ died for me, if I did not trust him, I would be the most ungrateful person in the face of the, in the, on the face of the earth. Don't reject Jesus. He's our only hope. And thank God he's enough. Amen. Amen.